Email Debt Forgiveness Day is a made-up idea that solves a real problem. The people who make the podcast reply all identified the problem, and that wasn't the hard part. Apparently, it's a universal problem, and I'm so relieved to know it's not just me. A universal problem to have emails sitting in your inbox that you absolutely needed or wanted to respond to and didn't. And there they sit from last week or last month or from February 23rd, 2020. Hi, Richard Ferguson. Thank you so much for your nice note about Gilead. And it becomes more and more unreasonable to respond and then more and more awful that you didn't. And then what are you going to say now, Richard, this is ridiculous. But to be fair, there was a pandemic, even though, okay, it didn't start until like a month after you sent this email. The universal problem of unanswered, important emails. It can have high stakes at work, in relationships, unanswered invitations, unacknowledged donations to your fledgling church. Thank you, Richard Ferguson, truly. And the psychology of the problem of unanswered email can be an absolute barrier to its ever getting answered. The solution that the Reply All podcast folks came up with, and yes, if you're a fellow Reply All fan, I've been following the story of their colossal failures, not the whole different sermon, but the solution they came up with is Email Debt Forgiveness Day. Originally, it was April 30th. It's a holiday to erase all guilt that comes from being bad at email. It's an email response. If there's an email response that you wanted to send but have been too anxious to send, you can send it without any apologies or explanations for all the time that has lapsed. It doesn't matter how long it's been. Just include a link to this explainer, their website says, the one you're reading right now. The only change there's been to email debt forgiveness day over the years is that now it's a monthly holiday. It's the last day of the month. But if you click on that, on that link, it doesn't tell you all that backstory. It just tells you the date for the next email debt forgiveness holiday. That's all you need. And the thing is, it's made up and it works. Like people embraced this holiday because it works. Fans have taken up the practice and spread the word and people use it to undo guilt and reconnect with each other and let themselves off the hook. I mean, it works for me. I don't celebrate on the last day of the month. In my own experience, it's kind of a, a movable feast that, that wells up in my chest and I realize suddenly like, oh, I can write back to Richard Ferguson. I simply do. Or in this case, I, I will. I need permission to sometimes watch TV during the day, which I don't consciously think is bad, but which I functionally think is for me immoral. One of the worst things that Jesus did, as far as some people were concerned, was to let people off the hook. Like, where did he get off? There are laws about this kind of stuff, cultural norms and ethics. He ate with dirty hands at tables with tax collectors whose fingers were grubby from all that money and corruption. He ate at tables with sex workers, bodies showing the marks and weight of their work. You're just gonna belly up. You're not gonna clean up first. You're just gonna tuck in and pour the wine and tell stories and have a good time like the world's not coming to an end around us. Plus, where'd he get the authority? I mean, to forgive people, not just tacitly, but explicitly, I forgive you, you're forgiven, your sins are forgiven. This guy who was born blind, no, there's not even any sin in this situation. You, you got that wrong. Like, who does he think he is? I need permission to never make the short video that I told someone I would make. What right do we have to let each other off the hook? 
I should have emailed Richard Ferguson back. I should have made that video. That video is for something important to me. It's a private group on Facebook, a group of post-evangelical queer people. I was asked to make this short video, which I think is like just me talking. I was asked by someone who by their asking indicated something that was important about our relationship. Why should I be let off the hook for that? That's something worth doing. There are things worth doing. And, and there's what feels like a shrug to say, don't worry about it. Well, I do. I worry about it. I think I should. I think we should. This great cultural shrug that we're calling self-care now, I think it's bullshit. I'm not convinced by it at all. I mean, for you, I am. For you, I am mostly convinced of it for you. But me, I'm a dick for not making that video. What authority, no offense, do you have to let me off the hook? Like if the work is important, isn't a little guilt-induced follow-up worth it? I need permission too to get rid of some clothes, the ones that can't be donated because they're super ratty or they're like a bathing suit. Here's how yokes work, a yoke like for oxen. Maybe you can picture a yoke. Maybe you saw it hanging on the outside of someone's garage. There's a, a heavy piece that goes across the top. It's got two curves in it. That heavy piece is smooth wood with a big iron ring hanging down in the middle of it. And the curves are rubbed smoother yet from years from years of moving against the necks of the oxen wearing it. That heavy piece is called the beam. When you yoke a team of oxen, you carry that heavy beam upside down by the ring and it's heavy enough that it pulls you off balance. You lift the beam up on the backs of the oxen's neck and they stand and take the weight. Then on the underside of the yoke, they're actually separate pieces. There are two curved bows. There are two pieces of woods curved into U-shapes and they fit under the throats of the oxen and tension holds them in holes in the beams and you secure them just with little pins. So they've got the beam over their necks and the bows under their throats and the ring between them and you hook whatever you wanna pull, a cart, a plow, to that heavy iron ring in the center. The oxen aren't choked by the yoke. It's under their throats, but when the yoke is the right size, when they lean into whatever they're pulling, the yoke settles back against their shoulders and they use the strength of their whole incredible bodies. I need permission to stop thinking forever that he is the one who got away by the end of this year, if possible. So when Jesus said, come to me, all you that are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest, and then he followed it immediately by saying, take my yoke upon you. It wasn't like, come be free, but first put on these shackles. When he said, you'll find rest for your souls, and followed it immediately by saying, my yoke is easy and my burden light. It wasn't an oxymoron. He knew the problem is universal. We are all always carrying burdens. Maybe it's something somebody gave you and you internalized it, or maybe it's a functional belief that you barely even notice you hold, or maybe it's an old belief that doesn't work for you anymore. And Jesus says to us, I do hereby freely and joyfully grant you the permission to do something else. 
to do it some other way, to find the work that you need to do, work that fits you right and, and makes it kind of easy for you, for you in particular, like the way you are. And there he is letting people, letting us off the hook again, like he has the authority to do it. I mean, is that supposed, that, is that because he's supposed to be God? Is that why? Like, why do we even need permission? Like what's special about Jesus? I need permission to stop being angry, mostly out of habit, my therapist says, when I have to set a boundary. What should Jesus know about the particulars? I mean, half of these things are things I should be able to give myself permission for. I need permission to think it really might have been her, not me. There are people who know me extremely well people who know my commitments and why those commitments are important to me and important to the world. And to me, it, it does feel like those people have some special authority, like at least insofar as it concerns my freedom. And I think what gave Jesus authority is that he had this uncanny and or divine ability to know people he encountered extremely well to know what mattered to them and to say to them freely and joyfully, you don't have to do it like that anymore. It looks like it's choking you a little bit. To say to them freely and joyfully, here, see if this is a, a better fit. What if, you, what if you set that down and took this other thing up that suits you better to say to us, you don't have to do that alone. You can lean into it with the strength of this whole incredible body. I need permission to not maximize every second of every day. It's not like I'm doing it anyway. I'm just beating myself up over it. I'm so tired of it. My mother calling for Mother's Day. We are the body of Christ and truly whatever you believe or don't believe that is, truly whatever. As the body of Christ, we have the special authority to let each other off the hook, to solve real problems with just a made up idea to give each other permission. Permission that if the circumstances were different, we might be able to find within ourselves. I mean, as the body of Christ, we, we know each other. We know some of what's important to each other. We know something about why and how that matters to the world because we tell each other all the damn time. And we're just the latest ones in a long line of people who have embraced this audacious authority in Jesus and in other people because it works. The word has spread and the audacity undoes guilt and builds connections. And again, tonight lets us off the hook.